Welcome to Queer Storytime, the podcast. This is a brave space for sharing queer and trans stories of radical affirmation, acceptance, empowerment, and healing. I'm your host, Stevie Ingram. I so look forward to you joining us. If you haven't done so already, please be sure to subscribe to this podcast. Alrighty, y'all. Queer in three, two, one. Let's go. Welcome back, y'all. You are listening to episode number three of Queer Storytime, the podcast. I hope life is treating you with as much ease as possible. Today's episode is featuring my friend Drummond. Many of you may know him as Drummond Culture on both Instagram and on YouTube. Before introducing today's guest, we'll take a moment to bring our mind and awareness into a place of presence and relaxation. Many of you may wonder why I do this at the beginning of my episodes, and this brief moment of awareness that we have at the beginning of these episodes of Queer Storytime simply serves as a reminder that all of us especially for us in this queer and trans community that continue experiencing a lot of adversity and inequity in this world, can know that no matter what is going on throughout our daily lives, all of us have the capacity to return to this place of presence and ease, which not only can shift the trajectory of our day, but also the trajectory of our lives as we continue to practice and integrate these moments of pause and mindfulness throughout our daily lives. So if you're new to this practice of returning home to bringing awareness to your mind, to your body, coming into a place of presence, I just ask that you continue to be patient and Bring your awareness back to your breath as much as needed. And most importantly, being attuned and deeply rooted within our own truth, which is tremendously important out in today's world. So I just ask you to take a moment, as I always have you do, to gently close your eyes or have a downward cast gaze. And as you do so, just take a moment to settle into the body, bringing your awareness to breath. Taking a moment to release any concerns that may be arising, that may have arisen throughout the course of your day. Breathing in deeply through the nose or the mouth. And breathing out deeply through the nose or the mouth. As you deeply inhale and exhale, allow the body to relax with each inhalation and each exhalation. 
Coming into this place of groundedness. Noticing what it feels like for the body to feel rooted and grounded. When I talk about being rooted and grounded in our truth, referring to this place of presence, of ease, of concentration, where there is this deep felt sense of knowing who it is that we are, what our truth is in this world, Allowing ourselves to embody that as we walk through this world that is often trying to harm us as queer and trans people. Taking just two more inhalations and exhalations here. Knowing that you can return to this place anytime, any day, any hour. Whether you're at work, in your car, washing dishes, wherever you are, whatever you're doing in the world, you can always take a brief moment to return to this place of centeredness and ease. And as you take your last breath here, gently opening the eyes, returning your awareness into this space, into your surroundings. So now that we're all feeling a little bit more present in our mind and body, I now would like to introduce my friend, Drummond. And as I said, many of you know him as Drummond Culture on both YouTube and Instagram. Drummond is someone who wants to help as many people in this world find the reason for being here on planet Earth. He believes that we all have stories and play a part while we're here on this planet. And he wants us to be able to live our life to the fullest potential. Drummond hosts his own series on YouTube and on Instagram called Positive Talks to hold deep conversations with guests about what they believe is important for others to hear. And he also hosts a space, a private space on Zoom, actually, that's an extension of Positive Talks, which he will talk about, which provides community and connection to all of us in the queer and trans community. So, Drummond, welcome to Queer Storytime. I'm so excited to have you here. Why don't you start by sharing a little bit about your queer story in whatever way feels comfortable to you? Hello, hello, everyone. And thank you so much for having me on here, Stevie. Sharing my queer story, it's its definitely been a journey. And I think I always kind of start out with it was kind of an accident for me sharing it so publicly. But I think that a lot of our stories are all over the place and different when it comes to 
the queer community, I think it's very different than a lot of other marginalized communities where you're kind of born into a community. I think a lot of us are born alone and kind of take our own journeys to get to where we are today. Mine started with being in college and I had kind of always known, I would say from a very, very young age, probably first grade, second grade in elementary school. But my story became very public when I shared it on the YouTube platform. This was way back in 2008. So it was not the YouTube that people know and love today. It's It was a very different platform. I had originally planned on sharing my coming out video on my Facebook, which was a lot more private between me and close friends and family. I came out because I was dating someone and I just got really tired of answering everyone's questions. And as a lot of young queer people may understand, it can be exhausting answering questions. And honestly, I just wanted people to hear it and accept it. But I got more questioning and people were trying to pressure me into giving them answers that I did not have. So I wanted to just create a video that just summed it up and I was going to share it on my Facebook platform for people so that they'd stop asking questions. But unfortunately, summing it up didn't fit in the time frame that Facebook allowed videos to exist in at the time. Your videos could only be 120 seconds. Oh, and wow. my story was a little longer than that. So someone suggested uploading it to YouTube and then sharing the link. YouTube, like I said, wasn't like it is today. I was unaware of how public that platform was. Uh, there are options for making videos private. I did not know that. I just uploaded it, shared the link to Facebook, and just went on with my life. wasn't until a couple years later that someone pointed out and asked how I dealt with all the negative comments that existed on my YouTube video. Uh, I didn't even have the login to get back into the channel, so I had to view it as if I was watching someone else's page. And as hard as it was to kind of scroll through some of the comments, I think what really inspired me was the ones where someone had connected with my story and felt like because I shared mine, they were now able to kind of live in their own truth. And I mm -hmm. think that that is a very inspiring feeling, knowing that my accidental vulnerability there did help others. And I kind of just went from there. And I mean, life has kind of thrown a lot of things in my journey, but I've just kind of been navigating through those and trying to be as authentic as I can and share those experiences with people through my multiple social platforms. And we love it. Drummond is a great positive force in the community, which is exactly why I wanted to have him here on Queer Storytime. He was a guest of Queer Storytime since the beginning back in March or April of 2021 when I first started. It's just so awesome in the queer and trans community to see all of us flourish and grow throughout the years. And I know both Drummond and I have done so in the years since we've met. But Drummond, what was it like in those initial years when you were, you know, first of all, growing up in a culture where like the expectation of masculinity is that you're heterosexual and, you know, growing up in what, 20, 
2013 era, <laughs> yeah, 2014 era on you when when YouTube just was not the platform that it is today. Ten years later, or when did you say was it earlier 2008 when you yeah. first did your coming out video? 2008 was when it. Two, okay, so it. even earlier, like 15 years ago, almost 15 years ago. But yeah, what was that like dealing with? You know, I know that you you just spoke of all the stories of all the positivity you got, but what was it like back then, you know, growing up in a culture that expects men to be attracted to women, that has this rigid like definition of masculinity? What was it like for you back then on YouTube being this presence as a gay man, but not like even maybe for you at the time, not even fully being aware of what the implications of you coming out on YouTube would be like. <laughs> what was that experience for you? Oh, it it was a journey. I think for me, I always kind of surrounded myself with feminine energies. Mm -hmm. I had a lot more female friends than I did male friends. So for me, like even in church, which is where I was kind of like brought up in I stuck with my female friends. I didn't really identify well with that masculine energy. And I think even like as I'm growing up as a young gay man in this world, I'm learning to reconnect with that side of myself because I think there was a strong hatred for masculinity in general. For me growing up, uh, there's lots of different circumstances that cause that whether it was just like the absent father where I didn't really have a relationship with him. And when there was connection, it wasn't a nurturing father. It was more of a reprimand and disappear again relationship. And it was definitely interesting going into school and going into college where a lot of it was like pushing you to bond with other males whereas I didn't really connect with them. Like we'd always be like, okay, girls over here, boys over here. Th those experiences for me were really awkward. There was very few straight men or masculine energies that I connected with in a positive way. But I think that the more that I started to kind of express who I was and kind of realize that I had a toxic relationship with my masculine side of myself, that I was able to start to heal that. And I was able to start connecting with men who did have a little bit more emotional intelligence and were able to kind of exist without kind of the facade of being that bro masculine guy that needs to just kind of dominate an energy space. Because mm -hmm. I, I definitely think I have a strong feminine energy about me. But I realized that I was really operating half when I was kind of denying the masculine energy within myself. Yeah, that's so emblematic. I just think us as human beings, we all have these, you know, masculine and feminine energies in us. And I think that's one of the like misunderstandings about our community is that like even cisgender heterosexual people have these energies within them and it you know when we grow up especially anyone assigned male at birth whether you're a trans woman or a cis man or non-binary for that matter you know we grow up 
with these like strict understandings of what it is to be quote unquote a man <laughs> or someone with the genitalia that we have, like whatever that means. So it's so difficult. I'm sure that you saw this, the Man Enough podcast with Justin Baldoni. One of the women that's frequently on that show, and her name's not coming to me right now, but a, a Black man asks her, why do you as a woman have the right to speak about masculinity? And essentially, she says, because it's for the same reason that you as a Black man have all the knowledge to speak about whiteness, all the experience to speak about whiteness. You know, it's because often the oppressed has more knowledge and awareness about their oppressor than the oppressor has about themselves. And I think that's the same situation with the LGBT community, especially for those assigned male at birth, is that masculinity is our oppressor in many ways growing up. We don't have healthy definitions of what that means in the world. So what are your thoughts on that? I definitely feel when it comes to the boxes that people put people in, it's everywhere. Like every group of people, we send, we tend to just find spaces to kind of categorize people and give them labels and tell them how they're supposed to be. And I think for hetero people, there's a lot of rules there that exist in like the way things are supposed to go. Uh, there's the, an order to it. And I think some people find a lot of comfort in that order when you fall into those boxes and feel a little bit of comfort in it. I know that for me, I never felt like I fit any of those boxes. And it was a very hard time for me to kind of navigate because I just felt wrong, like I wasn't meant to be here. And it wasn't until I started realizing that no one really fits into the boxes. Even people who are like following the checkpoints and saying, oh, I achieved this monumental goal. A lot of people that I've had conversations with really are just doing what they can to fit in. And mm -hmm. I think the beautiful thing about the queer community is because we don't fit in like most of the boxes that are there, we decided that we're not going to try that. We're just like, you know what? I'm going to start trying to find what's best for me. And I think that there's a comfort in like, okay, once upon a time, they told us what to do. This is how we're supposed to be. That sometimes translates into our community trying to create boxes to fall into again. Mm -hmm. I think that's a trap that we don't want to fall into. Mm -hmm. because the journey of like finding your authentic self, you can't find that by trying to identify with someone else's way of living. It's just, you really have to get to know yourself. And I don't think the world teaches us to ever find comfort in ourselves. It's always your comforts over there, your comforts after you buy this, you'll feel better once you have this. People over here are better and you'll feel better once you're over there. And with all of those messages being thrown at our face, it's hard for us to ever feel like the comfort comes from within, the comfort comes from us knowing ourselves better every single day, because it's not an easy journey looking inward. It's not easy looking in the mirror all the time and looking at all the masks you've put on to try to fit in. 
and then try to figure out like what's the real me and what's a mask because over time we can convince ourselves of so many different things that aren't us that aren't true to who we are 100 percent. because this is i think a constant topic of conversation that maybe cis heterosexual people don't necessarily understand because they grow up in a world that confirms their existence as cisgender heterosexual people one of the questions i guess that could be good to ask anybody in our community is that what would you say as a cis gay man is the importance of like having these labels that we have in the queer community but at the same time like not being attached to them because i think cis het people are like well why do you need to label yourself how would you answer that question i think when it comes to our personal identities it's it's like i always teach when i'm coaching people it's called boundaries. We're like, hey, here's a boundary. To see who respects that, you have to have boundaries in your life. And I think that as a recovering people pleaser, I always felt like I had to do whatever it took to gain love and acceptance from other people. Whereas I think when it comes to having a label, having something where you're like, this is me, it's not so much saying like, this is a label. It's more of like, this is me and I need you to respect me and who mm -hmm. I am, what I'm laying down as a boundary. And I think too often when it comes to boundaries, there are a lot of unhealthy situations where people don't like being told what they can and cannot do. People don't like feeling like someone is taking power from them because a lot of times when you're laying boundaries, people feel like you're taking something from them, which it's not the case. It's you saying, hey, I would like respect here. And I think that that can be lined within every single group of people. We're not taught that ever when it comes to boundaries. It's just like we live in a world where it's like respect your elders. Mm. And it's like, well, too often our elders are not very respectful of us and the fact that we also are human beings on this earth with identities and existences that are way more profound than they understand because we're not replicated images of our parents or anyone around us. And I've learned when it comes to boundaries, it's like, hey, this is a form of you showing me respect. Like if you would like to set a boundary, I would like to respect it. And I started realizing when I put boundaries down, there's a lot of people who ended up leaving my life because they saw my boundary that was meant to show respect to me and my existence as a negative to them. And I was like, that's not why that boundary is there. And I think that when it comes to our labels, it's just a form of respect and like respecting someone's existence shouldn't be so hard for someone to okay. do. Yeah, respecting someone for who they tell you they are. And growing up in a culture that is cisgender and heterosexual dominant, we have to establish boundaries around our identity, which is just another way of telling a person that this is who I am and I need you to respect it. 
And I guess a, a second follow-up to this question for you who grew up Christian, going to church, because this is a continual conversation on my podcast, given that I'm a pastor's kid and also given that so much of so many of us have religious trauma in the community, how was that environment for you? It was very lonely. I think I sat there feeling more judged than anyone else around me at the time. And that's a very lonely place to be. I walked through feeling like I was the only one going to hell. And I think that that is a rough situation to be in. And I think that that is a message that they don't realize is being pushed into young people's minds. Like we don't translate what they're saying the same as an adult, but I feel like our message is always very similar to an adult's version of what they think that they're getting us to learn. So it was a very lonely experience for me. And there came a time where I had a lot of hatred for the Christian community and other religious structures just because I felt angry that they robbed me of loving myself. I felt angry that they robbed so many people of our community of their lives, because I do feel like there's been a lot of people who've taken their lives because they had very similar feelings to how I felt, like alone, that God wouldn't love us, but he loved every other children. It's just, I think that the anger that I felt was because it seemed like I was trying to be so understanding and understand their perspective, but there was never the reverse. I was never respected, understood. I was never protected. It was just a very unsafe space to exist in. And I think that that is something that I try to echo and try to get people to realize because so often the things that they say they think are coming from a place of love in their twisted way of thinking and unfortunately that's not the way it's translating into a queer child's ears and i think that that's something that they have to understand because it's not just pushing people away from church or the bible or their belief in god it's also pushing people away from their self-worth and self-love. And when you start taking those things away from people, you leave them in a very isolated, lonely, dark space. And I don't think that that's fair for anyone to exist in those types of circumstances. Yeah. And unfortunately, as you said, one that often leads to suicide in our community. Yeah. Yeah. So... You know, given that you had the experience on YouTube, you had all these experiences growing up, you know, you grew up not necessarily having a father figure. How have you begun to heal? Like, what was the turning point? When was the turning point for you on this journey? I think it took me moving to another state and existing in a community where I was surrounded by queer people who had a very strong presence and love for me. I don't know if there was necessarily a lot of love for self within that community. I think that there's a lot of trauma and self-hatred that exists in our community, but I think that that is something that creates love for one another. We want to make sure that the other people in our community 
feel loved and accepted while we struggle to find that for ourselves. So it was the drag queens. It was the people of the trans experience. It was other gay men who were like, they were just completely themselves as much as they could, even if it was a little bit more showy and flashy than what they needed to be. It was being in that community that started breaking down the walls that existed around me that were like mirrors of self-hate that was just reflecting back at me. And I got to kind of see that I was loved fully for who I was. And I started to kind of let my walls down and I started to share the pain that existed within me. And when it was reciprocated with love, I think that that was something that was really helpful to me just because I was very judgmental of the queer community when I first came out because I think anyone who's kind of been through the church, there's a lot of high morals that exist there. And those morals don't necessarily always align with the stereotypes and things that you see attached to the queer community. And I kind of thought of myself as a little bit better. And it wasn't until I kind of realized that that was a toxic way of living that was denying me the ability to connect with people like authentically and like real. And when I started removing that judgment and started seeing them for people who loved me despite my judgment, who were there for me despite the flaws and traumas that I brought, despite the pain that I brought that sometimes were triggers to them and their stories. I think that I really connected with the community in a way that just really opened my eyes to see myself for the first time. And it's a process. I think I still uncover little pieces of myself that I'm like, is this me trying to be someone that the world is telling me I have to be? Or is this me being me because this is what I love? authentically this is what i want to be doing authentically in the world mm -hmm. yeah and that's you know not to get up on my high horse here but i think that's <laughs> why i think why like mindfulness practices meditation yoga is so important is because you just said it so clearly as i know that the word like masking is used in the autistic community and i think all of us to a degree kind of mask part of ourselves to protect ourselves, especially in communities when we grew up in the religious world, no matter what the <laughs> tradition is. As you've spoken about, many of us don't have good experiences growing up in churches, temples, mosques, wherever it is. And we're constantly having to work through like, is this me? Is this really me? Or is this something that has existed within me to protect myself? And that's where that like returning to our center, returning to home, returning to connection with a higher power, like whatever it is serves and us being deeply grounded and rooted in that can be very powerful. You know, it's almost like we have to go within in order to block out all the chaos, all the all the negative messages against us in order to move through this world. Because even to this day, I know that you experience it, you know, having a large following on Instagram and YouTube. And, and there's just 
constantly people telling you who you are or who they think you should be. Even once we come to an acceptance and love for ourselves, we are continually fighting back against that. First of all, that makes us pretty badass human beings <laughs> that we are constantly fighting this battle about who we are, you know, regardless of whether you're a gay man, a trans woman, non-binary, whatever the case may be, we're constantly fighting this battle throughout our lifetime. I don't know if that's something that cis people, cis het people specifically don't know that we experience, which is sad. It's sad, but it's a part of our, our lived experience that literally all of us, for the most part, do experience. I think too often people in our community forget the strength that they have to exist because we do live in a world where our existence is challenged pretty much on a daily basis. And when you can think about these people are able to walk authentically through a world that is trying to say no, people who can find joy and laughter and love in a world that is constantly telling them, you don't belong, you are disgusting, you are a sin, whatever you're hearing echoing every single day, to be able to walk through that and still find the ability to find happiness and be excited about things. I don't think that we remember that side of ourselves because too often we feel like victims of hate. We feel it every day from so many different angles that it's hard not to feel like a victim. But at the same time, like there's a part of us that shows up every day maybe not as strong and bright every single day because sometimes it feels like a whole mountain has slid on top of you, but we still show up. And that's, that's something that is a little bit harder to explain to someone who the world just praises for just existing in the way that they believe is the way that you should exist. It's it's very hard for someone to even fathom what that means to someone in our community. Absolutely. Yeah, we continually have like layers of uncovering as we go throughout our lifetimes. You know, so many of us grow up, especially in the church community. I'm sure that you experienced this. You know, when there's all these people out in the world saying, We're, it's not right to teach children about gender and sexuality yet. So many of us, I know myself, and I can almost guarantee that you experienced it too. You're a little like five-year-old kid and people are asking you if you have a girlfriend mm -hmm. in church. Yep. I feel like I constantly try to get people to understand what they're saying makes zero sense just by kind of flipping it to some other, like, would you say this if you were speaking to a black person? Like, mm -hmm. would you like, sometimes all you have to do is kind of take out the queer part of the story and swap it out with women, swap it out with another minority group. And it sounds horrible to them. And I'm like, it's the same. It's just as horrible that you are like pushing this on us or assuming this about us or thinking it's okay to have this conversation with a complete stranger. It's, it's definitely very interesting to kind of navigate through that with people. 
because it's almost like they're blind to the fact that they're so offensive, so uneducated, so hateful. They just don't see how that comes off. Yeah. This is a continual topic of discussion (laughs) in these episodes of Queer Storytime, you know, because we're confronted with this every day. Like, as we've already been talking about, we have to defend our truth every single day of our lives, whereas a lot of cisgender heterosexual people do not have to do that. You know, maybe if they're in a polyamorous relationship, which isn't so societally accepted right now, they might have to defend themselves. But, you know, generally speaking, there's not that need to like defend who you are and unless you are in another marginalized group like you said if you're a person of color or you know other marginalized groups that maybe that are existing it wears on your nervous system it wears on your mental health to constantly having to be defending yourself almost on a daily basis some of us have the luxury of being in a better place in our lives where, you know, now there's more societal acceptance. But at the same time, we're living in the US, especially where there's these 600 plus proposed anti LGBT laws. Sometimes it feels like a constant battle, like our lives are in a constant battle. How do you tell people to come up out of that? Like, what has your journey been on keeping your head above water, so to speak? My journey has really been a personal journey. I think that when it comes to moving the world, when it comes to making positive change, I have to invest time and energy into myself because only I will get through to the next day and the next day. And being very aware of the energy that I spend every day and how I use it because we're only granted so much. And I've learned that arguing with someone who doesn't know me online is a waste of energy for me because Mm. it prevents me from being there for people who need my energy, who may be in a place where their energy isn't as strong as mine. And if I deplete myself arguing with people who I won't change their mind, I've just found putting energy into myself, figuring out what's the best use of it, and then creating as many spaces that I can to normalize me and the people I care about. Because I do think that there's a lot of subconscious bias and tons of hatred that kind of is taught to us subconsciously. And I think that if we can start existing and start normalizing it, instead of being upfront and talking to the conscious minds that people have. There's a way for us to survive and not destroy ourselves on that journey. Because I think as much as it is important for us to change the world for the better, it's also important for us to live and thrive and enjoy the life that we're given here on this earth. And it's just finding your space, finding your power, like you we're all different. I definitely think that you and I are similar in the way that storytelling is kind of our area of power that we kind of use to make change in the world. That's not everyone's special power. Others, it will be with a paintbrush. Others will type. 
Others will be there and support others silently. Others will be there on the front line as warriors. Mm -hmm. It's just knowing where your energy is needed and like protecting it at all, all costs because we need everyone at their full power. Don't don't drain yourself needlessly on things that aren't making a difference. He's preaching now, honeys. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Drummond Church, honey. <laughs> uh, the queer church. Um, love it. <laughs> first of all, that's incredibly yogic. Like that is actually a yogic practice of like conserving your energy and being mindful of how it's used. So much of our story right now as a queer and trans community is fighting because of the active laws trying to be implemented against all of us. I love what you said. I mean, life isn't just about us fighting. We have to live our lives. We have to follow through with our passions. We have to make, you know, right use of our own energy. And it's so easy. It's especially, I know you get this too, you know, the younger queer people that are, you know, 18, 19 in their early 20s just don't know what to do. I think that's important. Like find the things that you're passionate about, find the things that give you energy and vitality. And if you don't feel those things on a consistent basis, then get help, whether it's with a life coach or a therapist or a holistic physician, you know, someone that can help you kind of revitalize yourself and align with your truth in a more embodied way. That is the hard work, you know, because for the vast majority of us, we're not only going through our own internal battle, but then we have all of these external battles coming at us. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot. It's overwhelming. We are so resilient, even though we shouldn't have to be which is it just kind of boggles my mind knowing what all of us experience on a daily basis and we still persist given everything that that we're up against not only our own internal struggles but everything externally coming at us whether it's comments on social media or all these laws that are trying to be implemented or messages that we hear in church we're a powerful community because we've always resisted these messages that are against us but that doesn't have to be our entire story, which is why I want to do queer story time, because whereas we have all of these traumas, we're so much more than all of this BS that is against us. So maybe you can talk about this. This conversation has been <laughs> maybe a little bit heavy, which is completely fine. Like I want listeners to understand the real lived experiences of what we are going through. And the more that we talk about this, the more that they're going to recognize that this is a problem and that we all face these things. But maybe on a lighter note, maybe you can begin talking about like what it feels like for you to thrive like what are some of the things that you are passionate about some of the things that give you life and vitality and not depression and anxiety yeah i think for me through center is connecting with others and i think anytime that you connect with people on a deeper level you start to see them as people and energies and like spirits that you can connect with way deeper than just our skin and bones that are walking around on this planet right now. 
And with like my positive talk series, I've fallen in love with so many different people that I am so lucky to be able to connect with through those series. And just existing in a world because I think the world is what we focus on. There's a lot of beautiful things in this world. Even through the pandemic, when we were going through 2020 with COVID, with election year, with the Black Lives Matter movement and all the other things that were going on, I would go out into nature and remind myself because I was surrounded by a diverse group of people in the woods, on hiking trails, and we were all kind to one another and we were all connecting and just enjoying our lives. And I was like, even walking on the beaches here in Virginia, I'd see little children of all different backgrounds and cultures just building sandcastles and playing in the waves together. So like, it's really refreshing sometimes to just remind ourselves because a lot of times when we're telling these stories, it's almost painting like this is everywhere. This is everyone. But I do, I do think there's a lot of light in the world and I've found it with connecting with people and their stories and just showing interest in one another. As important as it is for my story to be heard, I've heard a lot of beautiful stories from other people who have very different journeys than my own. And that to me is like a light shared, an experience shared. And that's why I encourage so many people to like share theirs because you never know how touching that can be, how inspiring your journey can be for someone else. And like for me, I just remind myself why I'm doing it. And I just see so much progression for a lot of people because looking at colleges now versus how it was when I was on a college campus, it's very different. I live right here in Richmond, so I drive past VCU quite frequently. And the expression that is is like existent on that campus is just amazing. There are so many gender queer people on the campus. And I'm like, this is beautiful. I wish that's what I saw when I was walking around because I think that I spent most of my college years trying to blend instead of stand out or exist in my authentic space. So I think that I just put myself in spaces where I see the beauty that has been created from all the fighting and stuff that we've had to do to get to where we are today. Uh, we're very far from the finish line, but I think that it's important to show some appreciation to the beauty we've already created in this world because We've definitely been taking up a lot more space and we are accepted and loved by a lot of people. And I just have to remind myself of that sometimes because being someone on social media who very loudly speaks about these types of topics, it does put me as a target of a lot of the hate. And if I get too into that, it can make the world seem really dark. And that doesn't really inspire me to continue to do what I'm doing. So sometimes I just have to like look around and be like, you know what? Like if their attention's on me, it's not on someone else. And we can pass the torch around for all the strong people who can handle that while others are in their process of discovering themselves and 
on their beginning of their authentic journey. Absolutely. I think the journey for many of us in the community is that, you know, all the kind of traumas that we grew up with in our younger years and even currently, the major thing to acknowledge is that trauma inherently breeds disconnection. And so the healing journey for all of us as queer and trans people, or for the majority of us anyway, is connection. That is what is healing. That is what we missed out on. That's what was stripped away from us in churches, temples, mosques, the world over. Reconnecting with ourselves, reconnecting with our community, reconnecting with nature. That is what is healing. It's free. <laughs> That's free to go out into nature, to find things that you enjoy. I realize not everything that we enjoy is free, but nonetheless, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in this capitalistic world, nonetheless, reconnecting to what it is that lights that spark within us, lights the fire within us, that makes us excited and makes us want to connect in ways that we were stripped of when we were younger, that is powerful. And that is literally what will sustain us through these dark times right now. So we, we have to not allow, especially for those of us that are prominent on social media, not allow our light to be dimmed or darkened because that's just sending us back in that direction of disconnection where we started, where many of us started. So whatever it is that allows you to reconnect, you know, hold on to that and keep going because as we do say, it does get better. Life yeah. gets substantially better, wouldn't you say, my friend? Yeah, it's funny because at the beginning of the conversation, we talked about like the disconnect that I had with like the masculine energy or people who lean more in the masculine way. I've found that the more I've healed myself, the more I've realized living in my authentic being is healing for me. I've been able to connect with masculine people and kind of help them heal themselves as well. I, I think that there's healing all over the world that needs to happen. And I think that the queer community, we have to do a lot more healing and we're more familiar with what healing looks like, what our traumas feel like, look like, the steps we've taken to heal those parts of ourselves. And there's a lot of people out there that need that. And I think if you start to look at the queer community is a community of people who have a lot of answers to help people with a lot of the problems that are making this world so dark. Like we have a lot of strength and a lot of love and a lot of answers that exist within our community. And I think that the more our community loves ourselves, like each individual being loving themselves, the more love that we can give to each other in our community, the more love that we can put out into the world because yes, sometimes we have to be loud. Yes, sometimes we have to take up space to get people to hear us. But love can do a lot of stuff as well. That energy is really powerful. And I think we are trained with the masculine belief that love is weak. We're trained that being vulnerable is weak. But the last time I checked, it's really easy to be hateful. It's not hard. It's really easy to be fake in a room that's 
being judgmental of the type of person you are. It takes a lot of strength to show love in a world that is full of so much hate. It takes a lot of strength and courage to step up and be authentic. And I think that people have to see that and realize it. All you need is love. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) <laughs> yes, I, I specifically placed that right there. <laughs> perfect. Uh, it's in my subconscious. <laughs> exactly. Drummond, I'm so grateful for you being here on this podcast. This has been a very enlightening conversation, and I do hope that it gives a lot of people pause to be a little bit more discerning of our experiences as queer and trans people. So I do want to end this episode doing my super soul questions, which I ask every guest at the end. And this is just to connect the dots and to restate and reaffirm things that come from the heart that we would like to express. So the first super soul question At this moment, given your life experiences, what do you feel is your life purpose right here and now? For me, my purpose is connecting people, connecting them with themselves and connecting them with others with love, because I think we forget how important connection is. And I think we talked about that a little bit. I just think it's so important. So being someone who naturally can speak to people who are very different and allow them to exist in a space. I've gotten to know a lot of beautiful people. And one thing that I absolutely love is being able to connect them with other beautiful people and watch them kind of build something beautiful together. That's amazing. Just kind of networking and connecting people that you know would really connect with one another and do good things in this world. Yeah, that's really exciting. I love that. Okay, so Knowing what you know now, what would you tell your younger self? Hmm. (laughs) My younger self, I think, really needed to know what self-love was. So I think I would say a lot of things to help dissolve some of the self-hatred, some of the self-doubt that existed in my younger self's mind. Because going back to the first question, I think connection is really important. And I was too afraid to share myself with the world. And I think that that robbed me of a lot of connections that could have been really beautiful. So I would go back and let him know that who you are 100% is beautiful. And you don't need to hide any parts of yourself because there are people out there that will see it and connect with you and love you fully for that. Amen. All right. Question number three is, what is one thing that you wish others understood about the gender and sexually expansive community? I know we talked about this a lot, but in summation, what is like one thing that you wish others understood about our community? (laughs) That I wish that they could see more of the heart that exists within us instead of having to see us as fighters because I think most spaces we have to show up with our armor on and our swords and guns blazing. And we don't get to show up in a lot of spaces with love because it's not always safe for us to show up that way. So I wish that they could see us 
and allow us to enter a space with our hearts out and our arms open because I think that that would solve so many of the problems that exist. But like I said, it's not always safe for us to show up that way. Yeah, I think that just often all of this, you know, because queerness, transness, whatever you want to call us, <laughs> like we said, we are resilient. And not everybody, not all cis het people can, first of all, even be embodied in themselves. So queerness and transness, in a way, is kind of a threat to that. Yeah, just kind of keeping that in mind that I think that's where a lot of the hate against us comes from, is people not being embodied in, in their own selves, in their own truth, and thus they are threatened by us that are out living authentically and brightly and vibrantly and living with vitality, doing this work of connection and expressing love and all of the positivity in the world, you know? I think many can see how that would be threatening to a lot of people that are not living this way themselves. Yeah. So. They have their checklist of what's supposed to bring them happiness and meaning. And they see us kind of going off and throwing those checklists out. And it's not easy going down that checklist because like we said, we're all unique. So it kind of upsets them to see people living out of the boxes that they're told they have to live in and seeing us find happiness and joy in connecting with our authentic selves. If they took some more points from us, they might learn how to love themselves and enjoy life a little bit more. Period. <laughs> <laughs> the next question is, what would you say to all of the lawmakers, not only here in the US, but globally, working to create laws against us? I think that if you can turn the question to how would you feel if your existence was on the table and being voted upon, how would that make you feel? How would it make you feel if someone you really loved and cared about was existent in a space where they couldn't get the proper care to survive, couldn't get the help that they needed to thrive. There, There's just so many things that are being passed and put on the table to be voted upon that if you put it on anyone else's like table and it's like, let's take the rights away, let's do this from anyone else, it would be just nonsense. You would laugh at it, but they're picking a community that's small, but they don't realize like that it's a battle that they're going to lose. You can choose to be on the right side of history, but there are, there are still a lot of people who just can't wrap their minds around something that's different than them. And it's like, just be careful. I mean, you've posted a lot of content where it's like, when it comes to gender affirming care, there's a lot of things underneath of gender affirming care. I just think that they're not looking at it that way. Like they're looking at it in a very Christian way. And I think we've been very clear that the separation of church and state is where it should be. And we're not doing that anymore. Yeah, it's... It's incredibly frustrating, but I do think that this is a spiritual issue in all of these lawmakers that are creating laws against us. 
like I said, they can't even embody their own truth or, you know, they're just willy-nilly following the truth of some minister, what that minister says is biblically accurate or whatever, which I, I think it's just so easy to see that whether it's scientific knowledge or religious knowledge in religious texts, that these things can easily be misconstrued, you know, manipulated, contorted away from what it is that they really say when you talk to experts on these topics. It's very frustrating, but I think this is where all of us have to do our own inward work and recognize how it is that we are causing other people harm, whether it's we as white people causing harm to people of color or cisgender heterosexual people causing harm to queer and trans people, you know, whatever the situation is, all of us have to be willing to do that inward work to look at how we are causing harm in this world. And that's never easy to do. But it is the work that needs to happen, which is why I'm constantly advocating for, you know, bringing your awareness inward and looking, reflecting Mm -hmm. on your actions in this world. All of us have to be able to do that. Yeah, that's important work. The next question is, This kind of goes along with one of the earlier questions, but what would your number one tip be to queer and trans youth? Do the work on yourself, like take the journey of self-love. It's a hard journey because we are given all the tools to destroy ourselves from the world outside. Lay those down and take the journey inward and go inside of yourself. Love all the parts that the world didn't. Because until you love yourself, you can't let anyone else love you. It's hard because there are so many people in this world that want to love you. But it's so foreign if you don't know how to love yourself. And when I took that journey and finally heard someone say, I love you and feel it and believe it and accept it, it's a beautiful thing. But it starts with you going down deep and loving every part of yourself, every part that you were told isn't lovable, every part of yourself that you used a survival tactic to get through your day-to-day life, all of those parts of you, all the parts of you that did things because you didn't know what else to do. And looking back may have been a choice that could have been avoided or done in a different way. Love those parts of yourself because those parts were the resilient parts that got you here today. And just once you're there, like help others on that journey, like help people look inward because the world wants us to look outward and it wants to teach us that the solution's out here somewhere, but the real work can be done internally. And sometimes you need someone's hand to hold during that journey, but there's a lot of healers out there in the world who are on the healing journey and further ahead than you that are willing to hold their hand out for you, let them do it even if it feels very foreign because I've done it. It felt very foreign to have someone say, I'm going to be there and mean it, but it's definitely worth it. Mm. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, see, again, seeking out community, which is now one of the good things about social media is that we can easily find community with others in the queer and trans community. Yeah, that's the most important thing. I would also say too, that that's the most important thing for youth is to seek out community, you know, whether it's one affirming person, or a multitude of affirming people find that one person or small group of people that can 
help get through the hard times because there's a lot of that going on right now, even for us that are adults in the queer and trans community. It's overwhelming for all of us. And just knowing, especially for the youth, that we're in this struggle together, but we're also in this space of reconnecting and reclaiming who it is we are and connecting with others that do love us and support us and accept us wholeheartedly without any conditions. You mentioned this a little bit earlier, but I'm going to ask it to you again. What gives you the greatest sense of connection in this world? I think the greatest connection is being authentic. I think creating space where people can show up as their authentic selves and share everything, whether it's, hey, something that you said really hurt like it didn't sit right with me you caused me pain and existing in a space where that is acknowledged and accepted because i think too often the realities are not accepted they're challenged and attacked and torn apart making people feel like they're crazy or there's something wrong with them i think the beauty of connecting with someone authentically and being a person that can be told, hey, what you did was wrong or misguided or uneducated, being someone who doesn't get defensive in that moment, but opens their ears to listen and understand why that made someone say that, I think is really important when it comes to connection with others. Definitely. And that's something that I think we have to unlearn. So many of us are used to bottling everything up because we don't want to be the inconvenience. We don't want more fighting. But I also think that that's how we help each other heal. You know, this practice of like doing no harm actually involves confronting harm when it exists. And that can be, you know, just as you said, somebody said something to you that just didn't feel right. And it's important that we learn those tools to have those conversations so that all of us can be better human beings at the end of the day. Okay, so where is Mr. Drummond going from here? What do you have planned? And also, please talk a little bit about, you can answer that question, but please talk a little bit more about your positive talks. Yeah, so positive talks, like I said, started in 2020 to kind of add perspective and share as many journeys as possible. Because like I said, there are so many stories and perspectives out there. And it's kind of growing from there. I've created a community called Positive Space, which is a virtual community for people to connect with one another from all different backgrounds. My intent is for it to be a diverse space, but also a space where people can come and share their identities and authentic selves and be accepted and loved. If there's ever a moment where that is not how someone feels, I would want to know about it. But 2024 is coming around the corner and I've been going through a certification program with Jay Shetty mm -hmm. to be fully certified as a coach. I'm taking the knowledge that I'm gaining from this experience and really throwing it into 2024 to make something amazing. My intent is to start visiting campuses. My passion lies with the future, the people who are going to be future leaders, future parents, future friends to all the people existing in this world. 
So my goal is to create a space that's very similar to positive talk, but on college campuses to where I can bring speakers with me and exist on campus for students to reach out and contact. Because in this world, like we said, you've got to make a living, got to make some income. But I want to do it in a way where I'm helping people who need the help the most. And I want to be a resource for all the youth that exists in the world. I would love to be a resource for people to ask questions that maybe the younger queer people do not have the answers for currently. And just existing in that space, I'm working with my own personal marketing expert. So I'm excited about that. And just kind of really, like I said, feeding my energy because I know that if I'm strong, if I use my energy effectively, I can use it to make some really good change. So just pulling it all in because I've got a lot of big plans for 2024. We love that. And we're here to support you and see you live out that vision. That's amazing. I look forward to seeing everything that plays out next year in that regard. So on that note, if people want to follow you and maybe become a part of Positive Space or Positive Talk, where can they find you? So most of my platforms are still Drum and Culture. So you can find me across all the platforms as well as Drum and Culture at Gmail. I've got life coaching at drumandculture.com. You can check out my website as well. There's contact ways of getting in touch with me there. I'm always open to hear people's perspectives. And I'm always open to kind of help people do the inner work that they need to do to love themselves fully. Amen to that. And I will say that I have attended Positive Space myself. It's been a fabulous time. I don't get to go as often as I would like because all of you know that I'm in medical school right now. So it's a struggle sometimes to even take care of myself, let alone show up in these spaces. But yeah, it's a really great opportunity to connect with some amazing people and to be in a safe space with people that are going to be loving and affirming and accepting for any queer or trans person or our allies that are looking for a space like that. So that's really awesome. I would highly suggest attending that. Maybe you'll see me at one of those at one of these points. And yeah, thank you, Drummond, for being a part of Queer Storytime, for continuing to be a part of Queer Storytime. It's always fabulous to have you here and have your perspectives on many things going on in the world. And yeah, I would encourage all of you to follow Drummond Culture on Instagram, YouTube, and other social media as well. Become a part of his positive space, and potentially you could be on positive talks as well on Instagram Live. So thank you, Drummond, for everything that you do in this world. Thank you for being the person that you are and being such a vibrant and loving voice in this world and holding positive space and safe space for all of us in this community. That's wonderful. So thank you for being here. It's awesome to have you join us again. And I'm sure we'll have you back at some point in the future. I'm looking forward to it. And thank you so much for having me and using some of your energy to carry on the queer story time, because I think the world is really in need of spaces like this. A hundred percent. That's why we're doing it. 
So thank you all very much. Episode number four will be coming out in two weeks. As you all know, this podcast is coming out bi-weekly again due to my crazy medical school schedule. So stay tuned for that. And I look forward to seeing you all on the flip side. Be well, everyone. Hey, friends. I'm so delighted that you've made it this far. I sincerely hope that this episode has opened your heart and provided you with valuable insights into the lived experiences of those in gender and sexually expansive communities. There are several ways in which you can support this podcast. Make sure that you're subscribed if you haven't already done so, and be sure to share it with friends and family. Queer Storytime is a professionally produced podcast which costs about 80 US dollars per episode. If you feel called to do so, I kindly ask that you support future episodes of this podcast by making a one-time or ongoing contribution that is sustainable to you. Links to contact me or to contribute to this podcast are found within the description of this episode. From the bottom of my queer heart to yours, I'm sincerely grateful for you tuning in to Queer Storytime, the podcast. Hugs and love, y'all. Until next time.